here is the word of God for us today. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Together, grab a seat. Get up. I want you to just do a little bit of imaginary work as we begin this talk today. Firstly, imagine a picnic table, an empty picnic table sitting out in a park. It's got a nice view, but there's no food on it. It's empty. What makes this table a place of hospitality is if you bring something along to it. Pack something, put it in a basket, meet your friends, meet up there. See, a picnic table is only hospitable if you bring some food along. Imagine a second table, the table in a restaurant. A menu sits there. It's full of options of what you could eat. Opening the menu, what do I feel like today? Scanning the prices, ah, suddenly your ability to pay for it determines what you might be eating. What you can afford is what you might enjoy. So a table in a restaurant is a little different to a picnic table. It's not about what you bring to it. It's about what you can afford at it. A third table, last table to use your imagination for. Imagine an abundant table which you have been hosted at. A generous host has laid out a wonderful feast and you have been invited as a guest. You are a guest welcome to pull up your chair and sit and eat. Enjoy yourself, enjoy the food. Now which of those three tables is a metaphor for life with God? Jesus tells in a parable later on in the the Gospel of Matthew and in Luke, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a great wedding feast or banquet, depending on how it's translated. The psalmist says in Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Again, the psalmist in Psalm 36 says this, you care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. 
Or St. Paul in Colossians, he, he puts it like this, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. If you look up the Greek for all, it means all, all things, all things, all things. It seems that life with God, life in his kingdom, life at his table is like the banquet table that has been laid out by a kind and generous host. It is abundant with provision. It is full of goodness. It is full of life. It is absolutely overflowing with beauty and aroma. That is the world that we occupy. The world that has been filled with generosity by our great host. At our hand is the abundance of things that have been put there by the Creator. All we have at our disposal, at our disposal is not our right to waste, but it is a gift to cherish. Can I ask, do you see living life in the world like this? Do you see living in God's world, occupying space and time like this? And if not, why? Why do we see life with God more like that empty picnic table where it's about what we bring to it that fills it? Or maybe we view life with God like that restaurant table where it's what we can afford we will be able to enjoy. Why? What's at the heart of the problem there? Well, it's one word, and the word is scarcity. What is scarcity? Well, scarcity simply means in being of short supply. And a mindset of scarcity is this belief that we do not have enough. We don't have enough. We haven't got there yet. It is the worldview that we don't have what we need, we can't bring enough, we need more, we must get more. Scarcity leads to this living in struggle, a wrestle, rather than living in the generous hospitality of God. We wrestle with what we can bring to the table rather than realizing we've been invited to a table already full. Scarcity leads to living in a lie, a tragic lie. The lie is this, God cannot be trusted. I must do this for myself. Sound like a familiar lie at the start of the scriptures? He can't be trusted. Do it for yourself. Supplies are short. Handle this yourself. Scarcity is to always be driven by more because it's actually only more that will ever satisfy. So this can be as simple as in our own lives, in our homes, with our budgets, right up to rulers who lead their nations taking their nations to war and flexing their power because they want more. It's all the same mindset. It's all the same thing at the core of it. Scarcity, scarcity. We don't have enough, we must have more. But as those scriptures showed us earlier, as those scriptures I've already shown you show, life with God is not like this. We have not invited into a scarce story. We're called to an abundant table. Not because we can fulfill the abundance ourselves, 
by our own hustling and our own struggling. We've been invited to, as the psalmist told us earlier, come and see that all that is in the earth is already the Lord's. It's already been laid out. He's already the active giver. Our way to access this abundance is not in our own doing, but in first realizing we are in it and it's a gift of God's abundance. As Jesus said in his parable, God is this great host who has laid out a feast. The table has been laid out. So we're not called to scarcity. We're called to see the world a different way. See, this is the scarcity mindset here in a diagram. Oh, if I can get this thing to click. Come on, there we go. The scarcity worldview looks through the glasses and sees not enough, so therefore I must hustle. Not enough, I must hustle. But we have been invited not to a scarce worldview, but a abundance worldview. And an abundance worldview looks through those glasses and looks at the world and says, everything is a gift. Therefore, I live with gratitude. Everything is a gift. Therefore, I live with gratitude. Gratitude. If we have the worldview of scarcity, we'll never have enough, we'll always be hustling. If we have a worldview of abundance, we'll see life has been provided as a gift, which means we will live from gratitude. And as recipients of the abundance of this host of creation, we recognize that life is a gift. And so we treat it as so. We, we look after gifts, don't we? We appreciate gifts, don't we? We handle them with care, don't we? we? We get excited about them when they fall into our lap, don't we? We don't waste them, we enjoy them. That's what a good gift does to us. So there is a word for this and the word is called stewardship. Stewardship, and this series is all about this. It's all about this way of seeing the world and a practice of handling resource as a gift that has been given to us first by the giver. So what is stewardship? Well, stewardship simply is to take care of something, is to take care of something. It's the practice of handling a resource. It is to sit at the baseline that all has been given to us first by God. We're just handling the gift now. It's ours for a little bit, just a little bit. And we have choices to make with that gift. Do we use it? Do we consume it? Do we put it away? Do we save it? Do we spend it? Do we gift it? Do we invest it? These are all questions of stewardship. These are stewardship questions. All of this is part of this practice. How do we take care and handle? It's a very tactile word, talking about tactile things the resources that God has given us generously in this world. So stewardship covers a bunch of things. It covers a bunch of ways of going about business in the world. We could talk about a whole heap of arenas as we talk about this series. You know, we could take this conversation to earth care, for example. How do we handle the creation gift that we have at our fingertips? How do we handle it? That's a stewardship conversation. We could take this conversation to our time. How do we handle the gift of hours and days and weeks and months that we have? That would be a stewardship conversation. We could take it to our abilities and to our gifts. How do we handle what God has gifted each of us in our makeup as human beings to contribute into the world? That would be a stewardship conversation. But for the next couple of weeks, because we are currently surrounded by headlines of a living crisis, a cost of living crisis, because people are feeling the pinch, because this is a topic that's on our news, 
We felt like it was relevant to talk about the financial world. We sensed to take a conversation into this direction of how we handle our money. How do we steward our finances? How do we look after our dollar, dollar, dollar bills? What does it look like to handle money as a practice of stewardship? We're going big picture here, guys. So say that another way. What would it look like to acknowledge that the money sitting in our accounts right now, whatever number that is for you, it's not something to be scarce about. It's something to be a steward of. What would it look like not to hold our money and think it's not enough, but to think this was God's first and I'm just looking after it. And that brings us to today's teaching. So let's just go back to the life of Jesus together in Matthew chapter six. I'm just gonna summarize what we've read in case you glazed over and screensavered while I was doing that earlier. Firstly, do not store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. There's this language here from Jesus of treasure. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be, says Jesus. Your eye is like a lamp, he says. It provides light for your whole body. There's something about our light, our, our eyes letting in for our souls to see. And then he says this, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one, you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So there's three things I'd like to pull out of the text today. Firstly, there's a call from Jesus to a greater perspective that I'm gonna talk about for a moment. There's the reality that you cannot have split allegiances. We're gonna talk about that for a moment. And finally, this is about what you love. This is about what you love. So firstly, let's talk about the greater perspective. Let's start there. This is not in chronological order to the, the text. This is just me taking these three things and holding them up this morning. So firstly, the greater perspective. There is a bigger story for us to live life in before money. Um, I've been teaching my little boy Jimmy to ride his scooters and his bikes and his skateboards over the last couple of months. And as we're going along, my key instruction to him often is look up, look up Jimmy. While he's pushing off on his bike, looking down, it's pretty scary. But once he looks up, I know he can see what he's got to ride through. Um, if you ask any person who takes driving seriously or riding motorcycles seriously or anything like that, it's really important to know where you look is where the vehicle goes. Your eyes are really important in where the vehicle ends up. Where your eyes are fixed is where you will go. Where is your eye looking? Is the question that Jesus is asking here in the Sermon on the Mount today. He is asking us to ask this question of ourselves. Where is your eye looking? Is it fixed on God and the realities of his kingdom or is it fixed on something else? Where is it naturally drawn? Where does your eye fall? Because your eyes will lead you in life. The big thought here is that we are to pay attention to what we are looking at. So let's just take a moment to consider some things here as we're sitting here in this text. Firstly, let's consider what we look at all day long. Think for a second about the great narrative that your life is being written by, by what you take in through your eyes. Now, reality check, some of us are probably spending, I'm gonna be really generous here, 15 minutes reading the Bible, you know? taking in a bit of text in the morning or something like that. 
How much more time do we then spend in the day with billboards that marketers have curated slamming a message towards us? The tsunami of marketing that we then spend in the day, time and in the day. Our eyes see this. They are the entry point. So no longer, sorry, it's no wonder after long enough in the tsunami that we start to follow that message. No wonder we start to stare towards what they say is important. I've got this little Nike billboard, a big Nike billboard here, and it says this, don't stop till you get enough. Sound familiar? Don't stop till you get enough. Just do it. Consider this. This week, you'll spend a bit of time taking in scripture or maybe watching on YouTube something by the Bible Project or reading a book of theology or something like that that you're currently reading. You'll spend a bit of time doing that. But in a few moments after church, you're about to go out and start driving home and immediately you will be bombarded everywhere you drive your car home or walk home from here. You'll be bombarded with messages that have been curated by marketers that are the sermon of the age. They are the sermons being preached at you all day long and your eyes take these in. It's no wonder that materialism and consumerism is so close to the surface for so many of us. It's the greater narrative that we are being uh, cooked in. This is a billion of billions and billions of dollar industry Billions and billions and billions of dollars are being spent to catch our attention on this. And again, here it is on a big, huge poster behind me. Don't stop till you get enough. The scarcity message, the hustle message, get what you want is the message. So we have to be vigilant and we have to ask the question Jesus is asking here. Who is framing the big story of your life? And Jesus is teaching, he is saying, observe what you are looking at through your eyes. For through your eyes, light and darkness can be discerned. What, what you see, don't be fooled. Money is not the biggest story. So point one that we have to realize as we start this talk on stewardship is this. This is not the biggest story, although life in our culture would say otherwise. The biggest story of God doesn't seem to be fixed on this in, such, in the same way. Secondly, second thing Jesus says is that we can not have split allegiances. We cannot serve two masters, he says. Or another way to put that is we cannot have split allegiances. We cannot give 100% to two things. It's impossible, isn't it? You cannot give 100% to two. Now, let me just shoot from another little text of Jesus for a moment here. In, in Matthew 19, he has this moment with this rich young ruler where the rich young ruler says, you know, what do I have to do to, to, um, to, to follow you? And, and he says, you have to go and give up all your possessions and, and, uh, and follow me. And he goes away very disappointed. And Jesus says this, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Here, Jesus is speaking very clearly about the fact that a money first allegiance will not buy you into God's reality. It just doesn't work this way. You cannot earn yourself in. You cannot purchase it. You can't even give your way into it. It's not possible. Why? Because life with God does not work on that economy. Life with God is not a business transaction like that. 
It's not doing some deal that's able to be bought. The way into the kingdom is through the cross. It is through dying to self to enter. As the early church father Tertullian puts it, nothing that is God's is obtainable by money. You know, for all of us, the way into the kingdom is exactly the same. We have to die to ourselves. And for those of us who are rich, it's the exact same call. I say that with a caveat today to probably just acknowledge as well, we all are rich. If we were to look at the globe and we were to look at how this is stacked, we are all doing very well. We are all doing very well. We're not excluded from this conversation. Even if you are feeling the pinch, our baseline's pretty high. Sometimes in our world, this is not how this works, is it? Sometimes the rich can buy the education for their children. The rich can start ahead. They can already start a few clicks up. The rich can make things happen. The rich can make obstacles even disappear sometimes by purchasing them out of the way. But this is not the way the economy works in the kingdom of God. The rich don't get a head start. The rich can't purchase their way in. The rich can't clear the obstacle by purchasing. Jesus is saying, if you're rich, you have a greater obstacle already in front of you. It's your money. Why? Because money can be a greater master before the master, capital M. That's the point Jesus is making here. Money can be a greater master before the master. Now, I just want to offer a little caveat here, a little sort of side, side note. Though it's very difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, it's not impossible for a person who is in the kingdom of God to be rich. In fact, a person who's in the kingdom of God, a person who starts their priorities around the other way, the master is the master of their money, they can actually do incredibly generous things for the kingdom of God in this age. The question is, where is your allegiance? The question is, who is the true master? Is it kingdom first or is it money first? And this is where it all sits. And the flip Jesus is trying to make here is this. The master is to become the master of our money. So the big question here is, where are your allegiances? Who's first? Who's calling the shots? Is it the money or is it Jesus? Which brings us to this third point, this last point for this morning. The confronting nature of this is because this is about what we love. It's about what we love. The key question sitting in all of this text is, where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, your heart will also be. These are big words from Jesus today. No matter how much money we have, we can all ask, answer this question today. Okay, consider I gave you a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, we jotted down one through to five. And I asked you, hey, I want you to put your top five priorities on this page. One to five, jot them down. If you're honest, what's at the top of your list when you think about most in life? What, who comes to mind? What, what's going on there? Now, I, I'm willing to sort of say, I think most of us are going to start listing people, right? Most of us are going to put people in relationships here. Most of us are going to put something like, well, God is there. Uh, my, 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 my family is there, however that's made up, you know, maybe husband or wife or children or, or your, your, your mums and dads and so on. Like, we're going to list people. We're going to put people into the list. 
You know, my list is going to go something like this. Number one, Jesus. Jesus is the center of all things for me. Number two, my wife, Gabrielle, my kids, Jimmy and Florence. Number three, I'm going to list you, my church, Central Vineyard. You are my people, my family, the greatest family in the world that I, I believe I can have. It's like I'm going to put people there. The key is money is given to us as a resource to serve and to bless that list. We're meant to be able to enjoy life and work in God's world because money is helping to be a resource throughout that list. It's not rocket science, is it? It's pretty simple stuff. But there is a warning in Jesus' teaching today. There's a really clear warning. Don't misuse your loves and get the treasure wrong. What he means is this. We're all capable of putting money at the top of the list. We're all capable of putting money as a first priority. It means we've done something terrible if we do this. We've put money at the top of a list that's meant to be full of people. And sometimes we even relegate people to being the resource to use to gain more money. You know, think of how many stories there are of broken relationships and homes or people feeling unseen by someone or, or uh, unloved by someone who has missed a key moment in life due to the pursuit of money over people. Think of people who have been manipulated and backstabbed and lied to because of the priority of money. Think of even bigger than that. Think of wars that have been fought Think of the loss of lives, the destruction of the earth, the ugliness of systems that have been motivated by greed and by power, actions that have led to inequality and injustice because money has been put at the top of a list that was meant to have people at the top instead. The categories got switched. People became the resource instead of money being the resource. When we put money above another, we have the priorities wrong. It's wrong whether it's one person or a system that does it to many, full stop. And it's here that we find this crux of the journey of the church that has been um, faithfully walked out for 2,000 years. The church has sought to, in the words of Jesus, love people and love God. And as a result of the people who are trying to love people and love God, our, our priority list always starts with people. The early church was renowned for this. They flipped the system on its head. I love what Tim Keller says. He says this, the early church was strikingly different from the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. A pagan gave nobody their money and practically gave everybody their body. The Christians came along and they gave practically nobody their body and they gave practically everybody their money. The Didache says this, share everything with your brother. Do not say it's private property. If you share what is everlasting, you should be that much more willing to share things which do not last. You know, in this war of loves that we are all living in, this war of loves between people and money, I'm not saying today that we are to ignore money, just tuck it away, pretend it doesn't exist. I'm saying we are to put it in its right place. Put it in its right place. Under God, under people. It's a resource to use in our love, not be the love itself first and foremost. 
And so in summary from the teachings of Jesus today, this is what we are seeing. I think it's this. Come and see that money is not everything, but in its proper place, it is a reality of resource. A resource that is first and foremost given from God, who is a good and generous master to serve. This is the true treasure. Don't be fooled thinking otherwise. It's not the greatest treasure of all. Life seeing God is the treasure. Or maybe if I could simplify it down, I think this is the vision of stewardship we're seeing today. Money is not to be our master, but a God-gifted resource to handle wisely and carefully. So how do we handle our money well? How do we steward it well? I've just tried to kick us off today. But for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about two really important things. Firstly, next Sunday, I'm going to teach a little bit further on Jesus's vision of generosity. His vision of generosity. Totally upside down currency. And then the week after, Natalie, who uh, is part of leading our CAP course that we've run a couple of times over the last few years here at Central Vineyard, she's going to be doing a teaching on some great money practice, some great practice with money, good, helpful, practical things. So over the next two weeks, we want to talk about generosity and we want to talk about how to handle our money well as stewards. That's what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks. So come on the journey with us as we continue next Sunday. We'd love to see you. But to close, I do just want to take a moment to just ground us and consider what this has been sitting in today. It's been sitting in the abundant table. It's been sitting in the abundant table. This is not about going outside and continuing to hustle. It's about receiving God's abundance. And so I want to invite us to pause and to pray as we finish today. And I just want to just do this really gently and quietly. There's not going to be any, um, any magic dust on this at all. This is going to be between you and the opening line of Psalm 24. I want to invite you to just as you are, maybe if you've got things in your hand, put them down and just, just um, put things to the, t- the, the seat next to you. And if you need to just sort of straighten back your shoulders and sit up a bit straighter and just take a breath and take a moment to be aware of God's presence as we come into land today. But I want to lead you through a simple way of praying, which is just called breath prayer. Breath prayer is a contemplative tradition that's been in the church for a long time. And it's just using our breath as an anchor and a way to pray. As we breathe in, we breathe something. As we breathe out, we breathe another thing. And I want to invite you to a simple breath prayer today, straight out of Psalm 24. The breath in is the earth is the Lord's and the breath out is and everything in it. Breathe in, the earth is the Lord's and breathe out everything in it. Come Holy Spirit, bring life to the psalm today as we just breathe in this reality. May this be a symbol of our souls also breathing in this reality. As we breathe in the reality that the earth is yours and everything in it. We do not start at the hustle. We start from abundance. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. May that feed our souls this morning, God. May we be recipients of your generosity. May we awaken to your generosity around us. Even as we leave those doors today and head out into our lives, the rest of our Sabbath for Sunday afternoon, may we go out into the gift of the world, realizing that it is yours. It's been put here already as a gift. 
The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray, Lord, for those of us that are deeply ingrained in the scarcity mindset. The, this mindset has, has uh, well and truly got us hooked. Lord, I pray that as we go on this journey for these few weeks, that, that, that glimpses of healing and renewals of our mind may take place. Lord, I pray that we'd be healed from the scarcity mindset that says we do not have enough, we cannot bring enough, we must have more. Lord, would you turn that into the kingdom narrative, the kingdom story, which is you've been given an abundant gift. You've been given something generously already. Now receive it as the grace it is, the gift it is. Lord, would you turn us into seeing that we are to live from abundance and gift, not towards striving and earning and not having enough. Heal us of that, Lord. Forgive us of that, O oh Lord. Lord, where we have hustled hard for the wrong motives and the wrong reasons, Lord, forgive our motives. Forgive our hustle. Lord, forgive us of the way we have sought to build our own kingdoms rather than leaning into yours. Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Lord, we want to be oriented towards that today, that we receive all of this from you, the generous giver. So Lord, for those of us sitting at picnic tables, Lord, we turn to your feast. Lord, for those of us who are sitting there looking through the menu, wondering how we can purchase this, we turn to your feast. We turn to you, the generous giver. And Lord, make us good stewards of what we find. Lord, would you teach us how to handle the resource well? Lord, would you teach us how to practice this well, that we may be found to be good people of handling a gift in our midst. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray these things. And the people said... Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hey, have a wonderful week.